Phil Diaz. I'm the pastor at Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's my prayer that God would use this podcast to speak to your life right where you're at. I pray it also builds your faith and helps give you perspective on how God can work, move, and transform your life. Enjoy the message. The sermon message today is our last message in this journey of grace. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So we're going back. So you can tell your neighbor, we're going back. We're going back to Acts. Now, I didn't sound very enthusiastic. I was like, oh, it's a drudgery. So I hope it's not much of a drudgery. I'm praying that this message be uh, what we need here for today. Because the message title is called, Let's Practice Together. And so on this journey of grace, we've been understanding uh, how we understand God's grace, how it works in our lives, and some of the practicalities of that. We began by understanding that, number one, grace is a journey. Number one, grace is a journey. Number two, in the journey of grace, we understand that God uses provenient grace to begin to un- uh, help us to unpack, to woo us um, into understanding who He is and what He can do within our lives. We just didn't have a, like a switch turned on within us that said, oh, I accept Jesus, yes, like a robot. We are human beings. God uses provenient grace to help us woo into his into his presence and and unpack the different things within our lives to get to that point we also understand that god has saving grace for us amen that where wherever we're at in our lives god uses saving grace to be able to help us move into a personal relationship with jesus christ somebody give god praise for his saving grace in our lives amen and then last week we talked about. Does anyone know what we talked about last week? Oh, yes, yeah, sanctifying grace. Amen. We talked about how God uses sanctifying grace. And so, what's sanctifying grace? It's that grace where we know that we just don't want to stay saved. We want to be able to move into a growing maturity with the Lord. And so. What we do is we get to a point within our lives where we say, Lord, our life, you saved it, but our life is no longer our own. It is yours, and it is yours entirely. And God has a grace for us to get to that point. And he helps us navigate the gaps of our lives from our past to our present and to our future with him. And today, we're going to kind of take a lot of all of that, say all of that, And we're going to practice together. Amen. So this will be our last session in the journey of grace. I hope that you've enjoyed this. And I hope that this has been a good series for your soul. I pray it's been something that can help you grow in God. Have you been growing in the Lord? Amen. I hope you have. That's my prayer. When I go to, to, to preach, when I go to study, when I go to put it all together, my hope isn't that you go away with a nice message that you're like, good job, Pastor. That was great. That, that just hit the, you know, that just hit me just in such a way to where I'm going to pat you on the back today. No, I do it because I want you to grow and mature in the Lord. Amen. 
So many of us, within our journey of faith, we have these marked moments when grace finds its way into our lives in significant ways. And I believe that we can point back to those moments. In fact, I hope that we celebrate those moments. We did that this morning with some of our testimonies. Celebrating those moments where we see God's goodness, His faithfulness. We see His grace and love and mercy on display in our lives. And we celebrate that. But we also have to understand that we have to find a way to live between those significant moments. And so today we're going to zoom in on some of these moments that we might have within us. Or, as John Wesley puts it within his own way of thinking and his words, what we'll talk about today is what he calls the means of grace. The means of grace. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We're going back. Say, we're going back. We're going back. We're going to read about the fellowship of the believers. Let's stand for the reading of this beautiful and precious word of God. I'm excited about this this morning. Amen. Amen. And I've not had a lot of coffee, so I know it's the Holy Spirit running. Amen. It says this in the word. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, say everyone, everyone, was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Verse 44, all, say all, all, all the believers were together and had everything in common, yes. selling their possessions and goods, Woo! they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Someone say amen. Amen. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Someone say amen. Amen. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Somebody shout out amen this morning. Amen. And the last sentence says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes. Amen. Give God praise. Amen. Let's bow our hands for the receiving of this word. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that this passage of Scripture, this word, help feed our souls today. We're looking to you, Father, to be able to continue to still do the miraculous, to continue to still awe us with your presence and your love and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we ask that this word be anointed to speak to our hearts and speak to our minds, speak to our situations. And Lord, use my thoughts, use my mind, use my words. Lord, just use all of me to help convey this message for your glory and your renown. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated today. So as your pastor and as your friend and as a fellow believer of this very good news, that we call the gospel. Amen. It's the gospel. I can tell you a lot of different stories of people who have come to Christ and they felt that initial excitement. Yes. More exciting than me. Okay? And you can just see the Holy Spirit just like doing a work within their life. And they're like running laps around the sanctuary. 
And they're trying to speak to stuff that I don't even know that they know what they're trying to speak to. But they're, they're just excited about the work of Jesus within their life. And you see them doing new things through Christ. You see them experiencing life anew. And then you can see the joy within their face, within their lives, and within the entire constructs of who they are because they've come to know Christ personally. Anybody else know that? Okay. Amen. And then all of a sudden, there's just all of these epic things that happens in their life. Things that only God could have done. Testimonies that go up to the Lord. And all of these bold commitments and declarations. Does anybody know anyone like that? <laughs> but then, all of a sudden, they disappear. They don't even take time to return your phone calls when you try to phone call them all the time and ask them where they've been. You can see them in the grocery store and they act like they don't even know you or had any sort of life experience with you, although you've been going to church with them for 10 years. You can see their Instagram and realize it's not really you they left, but they began to dig themselves into another set of beliefs entirely, leaving you is in a way their way of dealing with them and God. So some would say, well, has God failed them in their life? Why, why hasn't God done something just to bring them back into the church? Or, or, or did God do something to them to shake and rattle them up so much now that just, they don't even want to be a Christian? My answer to that is that I believe God was always in their midst and always working within their life and was always there. But what happens is, as people, when we began to plant ourselves and our life roots in things other than the Lord, those roots begin to take hold into something. And when those roots get to take hold into something, they also drag you with them into the dirt. There's a lot of people that I know that know the motions of Christianity and know the motions of faith. They know Christianese very well. They can talk to you all about the Bible. They can tell you all about what it is about Jesus and how to get saved. And they know all of that, but none of it is anything that they believe. Or anything that they believe themselves. And so what happened to these individuals? You know, we talked about there's Convenient grace, or saving grace, or sanctifying grace. But they got caught up somewhere. Now, isn't there somewhere in the flow of things where they would have just been consistent with the Lord? You see, God gives out grace, and His grace doesn't end even when we want it to. His grace doesn't stop just because we've stopped believing. His grace keeps going on and on. In fact, for all of those that we know that are like that, His grace is still surrounding those individuals right now. So the question that I want to come to today in talking about the journey of grace is how do we sustain grace within our lives? How do we keep it going? What keeps the fire of God burning in your heart, in your mind, in your life to where it 
what we see through the Word and what we've experienced with Jesus along this way of grace. Why is it that we settle for so much less at times instead of relying on what God promises? Lots of big questions. And I have one word to answer all of it. Consistency. Now, some will say, oh, okay, consistency in what? <laughs> That's a lot of big questions to answer with one word. But it's the truth. Consistency, what, in our experiences and our behavior and, and how much we know or, you know, how being super spiritual we can be. Listen, I absolutely love every experience and every encounter that I get with the Lord. But here's the thing with that. I can't get addicted to one experience and then when I go into another experience and if it's not quite the same and I begin to have my dysfunction of comparison begin to compare one to the other, if I get addicted to that, I will miss out on every experience that God provides and brings into my life. Amen? So I can't do that. Our behavior, of course, we know that we can be changed by the Lord. We know that everything can change through His power. But guess what? We also need to make sure that we are also setting the proper boundaries and guidelines in our life so that we can follow through on our commitment to Christ through our lives. And I love knowledge. Google is my friend. Wikipedia is my friend. And I love learning new things. But there are so many that I know that have spent all their lives trying to get so much knowledge about how to live the Christian life right. But what has happened is, without the right heart, all of the right knowledge is disconnecting to how we should live. Our lives, we, we need to be spiritual within our lives. <laughs> And that means a host of different things. From, from being dedicated to being in prayer, to reading the Word of God, to doing devotions, and all of that is good. Amen. Amen. We are able to do that on this side of the cross. But I also know there's so many out there that miss out on the grace of God because they beat themselves up so much because if they miss a prayer meeting or they miss a devotion, they, they get so self-defeated. There are some out there that are so self-defeating because since they miss one day of devotion, they miss their next, they miss their next, they feel like they can never pick it up again and they just become empty. Listen, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But what I want to say today is that none of those things alone is sufficient. It takes consistency. Somebody say consistency. Consistency. So how do we, that when humans are one of the most inconsistent beings of the universe, how do we be consistent? You know, this week I've seen something terrible. Although I think it's kind of cool, but I think it's going to be terrible in the long run. Because I've seen this article. Anyone know who Elon Musk is in the Tesla company? Yes. Alright. So he's this Whiz, whiz kid, whiz guy inventor. He has invented an Android robot to do all of the work that we as humans find unnecessary. So you know what that calculates in my mind? Is that in about 
you know, 10 or 15 years, you're going to see them at every fast food chain, every single place. They're going to be, you know, robots. Because robots can be hired, they're cheap, they don't ask for vacation. You know, they only get vacation when they malfunction. But it's, it's one of those things, like, I can't believe we're that far now into the future. Kind of Jetson sort of thing. But I also know it's sad because there's a lot of people out there that couldn't need the work and jobs and, and, and economics. But how did we get to this point where we needed a robot to take out our trash? It's because as a society, we've gotten so used to being inconsistent. We don't want to take out the trash. We don't want to do these things. These are beneath me. It's trivial. I don't want to deal with it. Look, I know. The list goes on and on, right? But consistency matters in our lives, and it matters most importantly, especially within our spiritual lives. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Moscow Jordan became the greatest basketball player because he sat around all day and he ate potato chips and watched TV? No. Michael Jordan became the greatest basketball player, better than LeBron. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Michael Jordan became the greatest basketball player of all time because he put the work into it and he wasn't afraid of it and he was consistent. In fact, he was so consistent, he was bringing up the whole team. He was like, the coach needs to be up on my level. The staff needs to be up on my level. The water bottle guy needs to be up on my level. He's bringing everybody up on his level. And that's how they won six NBA titles. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's because of consistency. He could have been a one-man show, but that never won him a title. Oh, it won him a lot of accolades and a whole lot of Gatorade. But they never won any titles. It wasn't until they were able to get a team together and do things together and build that team. And every single person, even Dennis Rodman, who's crazy and got different color hair every day, you've got all of these guys completely different. And even their coach completely just different. But bringing all of these players up to such a way to where they were consistent in the game. And they won these titles. One of the best, greatest basketball teams of all time. The Lord is asking us, are we ready to be consistent on His team this morning? John Wesley helps us to understand that the means of grace is Christian consistency. It takes intentionality in our meaningful relationships with God and with others to be able to do this. So say intentionally with me. Intentionally. Intentionally. So when they ask, what did you learn in church? I learned to be intentional. Big words. <laughs> and consistency. Another big word that maybe you're not used to. Intentional and consistent. So let's go back to the book of Acts. Let's go back to verse 42. Let's break this down a little bit today. In this verse it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want to stop right there. We see consistency and intentionality in the verb devoted. <laughs> devoted. That's a word which adheres to the idea and meaning of being consistent and intentional. What were they devoted to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. <coughs> it means that 
They didn't just come to church and just listen, but they were avid in understanding. They were avid to apply themselves to the teaching. And not just that, but to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All of these different spiritual disciplines of themselves, they set up these things to help them in their walk with Jesus. Somebody give praise to God. He's looking for some people today who want to be devoted to Him. And it says they devoted themselves to these things. They devote themselves to these things so they can be closely devoted to the Lord. Let's look at verse 43. Everyone, say everyone. Yeah. It was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Why were they filled? Because they had an intentional encounter with God and with each other. Then God blessed that time with signs and wonders. Sometimes we wonder where God is. And sometimes I wonder if it's when we're able to come together like the, these early church believers <laughs> and want nothing more than God. And then we'll begin to see God work and move in the miraculous and do things like that. I wonder that sometimes. But I know through this passage, God blessed that time. If we look at verse 44, it then says, All So all of their property and possessions. But 
what this verse is, I think, trying to get to and trying to teach us here today is that they were so filled with the Spirit
In fact, when we hear that little voice inside of our head saying, no one believes in you, you're too far behind, you're too small, this isn't working and this isn't worth it, there's another voice to remind us that the same power, the same strength, the same spirit who raised the Savior from a borrowed grave is alive and is active in you. And this is your guarantee of complete victory. The same God who delivered you from the lion and from the bear, he can and will deliver this giant into your hands. So we have to stand and draw the line, take our stand, and just like how we wielded our weapons last time, we do it again. Amen. Amen. We might have been here before, and we have to understand that the battle, it's not ours. It's the Lord's. And if he caused us to triumph in the past, be confident because guess what? He's going to do it again. Because yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ is the same. And in his name, you are unstoppable. Because he's the author and finisher of our future and our faith. All things are started and sustained by his grace. He's never failed. He's never faltered. And he's never wavered. And he's never lost. And he's not about to start today. But receiving the promise, it requires perseverance. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many begin, but few are finished. So we don't just do it. We do it again. And I know that it's hard out there to sometimes keep things moving within our lives. When you can't see your progress and you can't see the perspective that you need. When the pain has pushed us past our breaking points. But this is no time to tap out, church. This is no time to back down. This is no time to say this is the end because the end of ourselves is truly the beginning of Him and the end of your strength is the beginning of His. So we need to learn how to fix our focus and wake up our courage and to stir our confidence and to say, Lord, do it again. The dream that God puts inside all of us is free. But in able to see the dreams in our lives come to pass, there's always a price to pay. And so as the scriptures say, we need to set our face like flint with determination. And we need to declare that I will do it again. And when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to keep doing it again. And when I have to go against the wind, I'm going to do it again. Because God is with me and ready to do it again. Give Him praise this morning. When all hell is breaking loose... We will not be crippled by confusion. We will not sway to the cadence of complacency when it feels like hope has disappeared from the horizon and we've been waiting for rain, but we don't see any signs of it. We're going to keep looking. We're going to lift our eyes to the skies because in that we can see a cloud and it might be the size of a man's hand, but it's starting to expand and it can start small. But guess what? Little is much when God is in it. And I know Together we can win if we just don't quit. We should never quit. When it feels like we've marched six laps around the walls of our own Jericho and they still won't fall, God says take another lap. Because you're closer than you think you are and you're closer than you've ever been before. And so we need to walk on. And He's helped us and positioned us to come so far. But he didn't help us to come so far just to faint. 
Because he who spoke it is faithful and will fulfill it. And he'll show up today and the next day and the next day and the next day. And we'll have to learn how to press until something happens. We'll have to be able to pray until something changes. Be able to push until something breaks. So we can say within ourselves that whatever it takes, no matter the cost, no matter what people say, no matter how even I feel in the situation, I've got a job to do. And I want to see his kingdom come through yes. in my life. And I want to have his will be done. We have to leave all excuses behind to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we need to take up his cross. And we need to follow the one who never stops short. Who never surrendered. Who said he'd never leave me or forsake me. Because Jesus is with us always. And he came and he conquered and he died and he rose again. And now in this service I believe he's not just calling me. But he's calling you to command us to be able to breathe again. To hope again. To trust again. To give again. To change again. To expect again. To rejoice again. To fight again to rise again right here right now in the name of Jesus we are able to live again give time amen amen at this time I just want to simply ask you are you ready to live again Our altars are open. Some of us here, I just think, might need a touch from the Lord today. Say, oh, I just need to live again. I need to be reminded of all your promises, Lord. I need to be reminded of the means of grace within my life to help sustain me. That I can't just do life on my own. I need you. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ surrounding me. And I need it just to be reminded of how faithful you really are. So our altars are open this morning. I just want to have us just bow our heads. Let's just take a moment. And uh, let's just pray to the Lord today before we take our communion today. cups and if you don't have one I believe there's still some out there in the foyer so oh, everyone does have one but today we're going to do a means of grace together because one of the greatest means of grace is being at the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the table of communion also known as the Eucharist and the communion supper is instituted by our Lord and Savior as a sacrament, which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his death, resurrection, and the hope of his coming again, and shows forth the Lord's death until his return. And this supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. Someone say amen. amen. And this is to be received in reverent appreciation gratefulness for the work of Jesus. All of those who are 
repent, who are forsaking other sins and believing in Jesus Christ as for their salvation, are invited to participate in this communion. You do not have to be a church member to take communion with us. All you need to have is an encounter and experience a relationship with the risen Savior today. And we are privileged to come to His table so that we can be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Amen. So let us bow our heads and let us take a moment to pray. Dear Holy God, this morning we gather at your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, by your Spirit, was appointed to preach the good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he ate with sinners, and he established a new covenant for forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we live in the hope of your son's coming again. Even on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke this bread, Lord, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we gather together today as the body of Christ to offer up ourselves to you, Lord, within our prayers, within our thanksgiving, within this service, we ask that your Holy Spirit be poured out upon us. And Lord, may you use these gifts, make these gifts, Lord, for a proclamation of your glory and renown. Lord, make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Jesus so that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. And we pray this, that you make us one in unity with each other, one in unity in Christ and in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in his final victory. We pray this now, Lord, in your name. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for you. It preserves you blameless unto everlasting life. We ask that you take this wafer and place it between your fingers. And remember that Christ died for you. Take, break, eat, and be thankful. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for you. So may his blood preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you. Let us be thankful.
bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be within your service today. We thank you, Lord, for this means of grace of taking communion together. Lord, help us to remember that it takes the sustaining grace of your Son to be rooted within us. That we can't just root ourselves just to being religious. We can't root ourselves just to doing the work of the church. We have to be rooted in you for your grace to take effect for the span of our lives. And so, Lord, as we take part in the means of grace today, as we leave this place today, Lord, may we be able to bless someone, bless their life. May we be giving towards others. May we be loving. May we show grace and mercy and forgiveness to others that you place within our paths upon this journey of life and faith. I pray this for our congregation. I pray this for myself. And I ask, Lord, that you just bless our efforts into growing in your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. We love you guys. And we'll see you guys next week. And we'll see you tonight at Revival, right? Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. If you would like to connect with me or Greencastle Church of the Nazarene, you can find us on Facebook at Greencastle Nazarene and also on our website, www.greencastlenazarene.com. May you have a blessed and wonderful day in the Lord.